0: He's the eternal one, and knowing him is eternal. Praise God. We always grow in knowing him more and more and more. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Well, I'm glad you're all here today. If you're on live stream or podcast, thanks for joining us today. We do pray that the word of God will touch you and bring increase into your life, into your thinking, into your believing. So that you can step further and move on in to the things of God more and more. Amen? Amen, amen. Amen, amen. I just want to remind you about tonight, 6 o'clock. We have our uh, Sunday service, Sunday evening service. It's the last Sunday of the month. And we call it Believers Meetings. It's not like it's closed, a closed meeting. You know, so I have had people come to me and say, am I allowed to come to that or is that just for church people? You know, or just for the, you know, the church uh, membership. I said, no, it's open to everybody. We call it believers meetings because we want to give the Holy Spirit even more time than we do on Sunday morning. And we want to allow the Holy Spirit, whether through worship, longer worship, greater worship, and um, uh, time in the word and whatever he wants to do. We just want to open it up to him. Amen. Amen. You know, a lot of times we don't do that on Sunday morning or Wednesday night because a lot of people are like, tick-tock, tick-tock, got to go, you know. But, you know, like Terry Mai said, the biggest problem in the church in having God move is they don't give him the time. They don't give him the time. Well, if he can't do it in an hour. It's not about him doing it in an hour. He created the whole earth, the world, everything in seven days. It's not about whether he can do it in an hour. It's whether you could sit on your backside for an hour. I had somebody say to me one time, you know, it's not about what you hear and all that in church. He says, but the mind cannot absorb any more than the seat can endure. (laughs) So I left the Jerry Seville meeting one time, and the meeting was like two hours long. And as I'm walking back to the hotel, I'm just talking to the Lord. I said, Lord, how is it that people say that the mind can't absorb any more than the seat can endure? He says, because their head's in the wrong place. I didn't say that, but I understood what he was saying. So if we get our head out of that place, we'll be doing really well. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So tonight at 6 o'clock, we have service. Praise the Lord. Let's open up to Matthew chapter 11 this morning. I want to continue from last week. If you remember, we didn't finish last week. So, we're going to just do a quick review, quick review of last week, and then we're going to move on into finishing up this week. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Hallelujah. Jesus is speaking here. It's in red, it's for you. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Okay. He says come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he said come, so he's given us direction of what we need to do and where we need to go. We need to come to him, isn't that right? And he said, all who are weary, which we know is from physical weariness, heavy laden is from emotional weariness. So whether it's emotional or physical, it's stress. And the Bible tells us that in the last days, troubled, pressured, stressful times will come. So that means stresses are going to increase the closer we get to the return of Jesus. So therefore, this is not something you want to wait down the road. This is something you want to get working in your life like right away. Isn't that right? Amen. And he says, I will give you rest. Then he said, take. So you have to take this. It's not something that just gets dumped on you. You got to take it. Take my yoke upon you. And we know that the yoke talked about the balance beam. Remember that? So that we could work together, him and us, effortlessly. Amen. And then he said, learn. Take my yoke and learn from me. And we know learning is part of being a disciple. You have to be a disciple, a learned one, to come to learn. For I am gentle, which actually means to be meek. And it means a meekness towards God. And the bottom line definition of the word meekness is teachable. And that was a great thing that Pastor Tim talked about in the 930 service. doesn't matter if mama told you, papa told you, or wherever you learned it. You know, I learned some stuff when I was a kid. My mother, you know, there were times that I would fake uh, uh, not feeling good because I didn't want to go to school. Yeah, but there's one time I really didn't feel good. I had a headache, and I'm like, oh, I, I got a headache. Well, you know, you cry wolf enough, nobody believes you. You know, so I said, I, I got a headache. And my mother says, well, offer it up to God. Sounded really religious, but it was totally wrong. Because I found out God didn't want it. You know? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So we learn things through life, and it's not always right. And part of being meek uh, before the Lord and being gentle is that I'm teachable, that it doesn't matter who I learned it and how uh, solidified it got in my life. If it's wrong, it's wrong, and it needs to be changed because it just becomes a, a boundary to pressing into the things of God. Amen? And then he goes, he is gentle and humble, which means a humble disposition towards man. But notice what he said, I am gentle and humble in heart. In heart. Why? Because out of the heart comes the forces of life. So, you know, you could be like nice to people and everything, but that doesn't make you humble. Because it's a heart condition. Gentle and humble in heart. Amen. So humble means to not be high-minded. I'm not being high-minded or lofty. Not wanting to be lifted up before other people. Remember we talked about the symbol? Was that, I don't know, last week, two weeks ago, Wednesday night? I don't remember. But, you know, symbols always point to something. But a lot of people are their own symbol. And they point to themselves. Look at me, look at me, look at me. It was I. This is what I did. This is what I said. It was is, is what I did. That only happened because of what I did. You know, and we always po- we point to ourselves when we're supposed to be a symbol and a source of the blessing of God. Isn't that right? Which points to, to the Lord. So pointing to yourself like that and being a symbol to yourself is not being humble. Because humble is to be unpretentious in behavior. Now, at the same time, it's not self-abasing. It's not beating yourself down. You know, if anybody deserved to be lifted up, who would you say it would be? Jesus. Jesus deserved to be lifted up. Isn't that right? In fact, he even said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. But he didn't mean it to be lifted up like they wanted to make him king. You know, he found out they wanted to make him king. He got out of there, all right, because his lifting up was on the cross because lifting up is in servitude. It's not in I need honor. That's not, that's not, uh, that's not humble. Jesus said if you want to be the master of all or the leader of all, you have to be the what? Servant Servant of all. Because the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Yeah, I know you don't like that, but that's the way it goes. Renew your mind, sister. (laughs) Uh, So you understand what I'm saying? So this is not about Listen, you know, how many times somebody, you want to give somebody something, and they're like, oh, no, 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 I can't take that. But sometimes people just do that to show that they're humble. But yet inwardly, they really do want that. You know? <laughs> okay, yeah, we're all laughing, so we've all been there. You know, so inwardly, they really want it, and then they plan to get it. And since you offered it to me, but I'm not going to take it because I'm humble, but now I'm going to start to manipulate my way so I can get what I want. Don't shout me down. Are you with me? See, humility is all about heart condition. It's not about outward action. Now, if the heart condition... The heart condition can produce an outward action, but the outward action does not prove the heart condition. Because, you know, this is such a great truth. Everything God offers you, except being filled with the Holy Spirit, everything God offers you, you can create it on your own by the flesh. So just because you've got blessings and manifested blessings and all of this stuff happening, doesn't mean God did it. Because you can produce prosperity... You can produce health. You can produce a lot of things. You know, something's not working, cut it out, and everything will be okay. You understand what I'm saying? So you can produce a lot of things in your life. You can produce peace in your life. Just do away with anything that creates problems. You could do away with all the inferiority complexes that you have. Just stay away from anything that would create it. Guard yourself and protect yourself. I never had an inferiority complex because I would never get around anything that created it. I made sure that I was in charge of everything so I would never ever feel inferior. But yet, the first year that Dennis Burke came to the church in 1982, and I was on the helps ministry, and I, was, I had to actually work with him as he was ministering to the people because we didn't have wireless uh, microphones. We had corded microphones. So I got to hold the cord. So he doesn't trip over it, and he's ministering to people. He takes his jacket off. i got to take his jacket. You know, and I'm doing all this. And he turns around to me, lays hands on me, and says, you'll never feel inferior again. Well, how did he know that if I never let anybody know that I ever felt inferior or had a complex in any form? And I got free on that day. Hallelujah. Where are we at? Take my yoke upon me upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest. Find rest in the Greek, two words: Heurisco and apausis. And it means the same as we saw before about rest. it means a refreshing. You will find a refreshing. Now this is not given to you, nor is it placed upon you. But as we grow in learning and living, experiencing, and taking the responsibility to be discipled, then all of a sudden, Eureka. I've been going along this road, I've been pressing in, I've been pushing in, but Eureka, all of a sudden, refreshing comes. That's what that word Eurisco means, is where we get the word Eureka. U- eureka, it's rest. It's a refreshing that takes place in our what? Soul. Takes place in our soul. The Greek word suke. The immaterial part of man. The immaterial part that's included. You got the spirit and you have the soul. So just as the spirit is immaterial, so is the soul immaterial. You can do something to somebody's brain, but you can't get them to stop thinking. You can't cut their soul out. Are you with me? Because the soul is immaterial. The brain is only physical. Chemicals are physical. The electrodes are physical. And all of that stuff is a house to get you around, get your spirit and soul around in this life. So you will rest You will find rest for your soul. So you're going to find rest mentally. You're going to find rest emotionally. And you're also going to find rest because as you're learning and growing in him, you will find that your will is no longer self-wanting. Oh, there's a big thing that causes so much stress. The self-wanting soul. Because as you grow in him, your will gets wrapped up in his will. Are you with me? Amen. See, and there is rest in Father's will. And when we are when our self-will diminishes, boy, life gets so much better. Amen. Being refreshed and finding rest for our whole soul. Now compare this. Verse 28, he says, come and I will give you rest. But then he said, learn and you will find rest. So it's two-sided, isn't it? The rest of Christ is twofold. Number one, it's given. Number two, it's found. So when is it given? When you got born again. When you accepted Jesus as Lord of your life, it tells us in in Romans chapter 5 that you've made peace with God. Isn't that right? And in that acceptance of Jesus as our Savior, rest is given in pardon and reconciliation. Amen. But, it is found under the yoke and the burden. It's in the development of Christian experience, and more and more the stresses, the, I'm sorry, the, the strain passes over from self to Christ. That is the biggest problem why people will not renew their mind, why they will not get in the Word, why they will not push themselves because they don't want to deal with that ugly, tantrum flesh. And yet that is the and the only path to advancement in life. Only path. There is no path to advancement if you will not deal with that flesh. And when you don't like what that word says and you don't want to take it, I'm not going to, no, 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 no. You are destroying and detouring your advancements. It's all about dealing with the, people are like, oh, i got to deal with the devil. No, you got to deal with yourself. You can't deal with yourself, forget about the devil. If the devil ever showed up, It scared the snot out of you because you can't deal with your own self. Don't shout me down. I know you think you're big and bad and you're a faith man. Yeah. ain't happening because faith was designed for you to conform to the image of Jesus, get yourself out of your own self-will, and get your flesh under control. Yeah. That's why you became a born-again spirit. That's why he's given you a word to renew your mind so that you can take control in your life, your life. Forget about everybody else and leave them alone. Right. Your life. Yeah. Amen. The strain passes over from self to Christ. That's what happens when you grow in him. See, and and it's a strain. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've gone through that strain. I still deal with those strains. And and it's dealing with your own self and dealing with that flesh and dealing with the way you used to think and the way you used to do things. And, you know, the way you were brought up with. Just like what Pastor Tim talked about in the 930, sir. It's a strain to get over over those things because those things don't want to let go. And deep down, you probably don't either until you get a hold of the word and get the word strong enough in you. The greatest, the greatest example that was given to me when I got saved and I was in a word church, the greatest example to me about the Christian life was the picket fence. You don't see many of those anymore. The white picket fence. The white picket fence was not flush planks. There were spaces between the planks. And the, the, the analogy was is that when you got born again, you slipped through the fence and you got over into the kingdom. But you're living by the fence. And because you live by the fence, you slip back through the fence. And you're back into the worldly stuff again. And then you realize... Just like Israel, sin, suffer, supplication, salvation. Oh, and the things are not going so well. I need to get back over to the kingdom. And you slip back through the fence again. And you're over in the kingdom and you're like, oh, this is so wonderful and so good. But you're still living by the fence. And since you're still living by the fence, you slip back through again into the old ways of thinking, the old ways of doing things, the old ways of getting stuff through manipulation, the old ways of, of attitude Slip back and then you get back over into the kingdom. So, what should you do when you're in the kingdom? Eat the word so you get so fat you can't slip through the fence anymore. (laughs) And my next suggestion is when you get so fat on the word, just roll away from the fence. (laughs) Just get away from the fence. Fence is not your friend. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Are you with me? Amen. Hallelujah. The strain passes over from self to Christ. So two things. Come and it will be given. But follow me by learning and finding for yourself a refreshed soul. So come and it's given, but learn and you'll find it for yourself. See, a lot of people, they they don't want to do that. They just want to run. I'm just going to run to Jesus, and Jesus is going to bless me. As long as you're in your pampers. But then you don't want to admit you're in pampers. You don't want to admit you're walking around with a little bottle in your hand, pulling up your diapers. You don't want to admit you're doing that. You want to be the big boy. But then you want Jesus to do everything. So you got to pick one or the other. Are you growing up or you're not? And growing up doesn't matter by uh, how many years you've been saved. That's not growing up. Come and it'll be given, follow by learning, and find for yourself a refreshed soul. Working together with him effortlessly, dealing with things in life. It's a product of being yoked together. Amen. Developing a faith lifestyle that continually leans to the Word of God, continually. That was so good what Pastor Tim talked about. You might like the serenity prayer, but it ain't the Bible. So you might as well get that stuff out of your life that doesn't line up with the Word of God. They sound cutesy, they sound nice, but it'll never help you when you're dealing with life. You know what it does? It makes you run off into the corner and just hope everything will turn out right. But as we constantly use this faith lifestyle, the Lord, through the word, becomes the very source and root of our life, which we talked about Wednesday night. Amen. So go to Jeremiah 17. We'll come back here again to Matthew 11. But Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. Now, I'm just going to stay with the blessing side of this verses, because there is a curse side, but we're staying with the blessing side, because you want to awake unto righteousness. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord, for he'll be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit blessed. The word blessed means to be blessed and to be happy. And it implies a state of prosperity or happiness. You know, happy is prosperity. You know why? Because sad is poverty. Depressed is poverty. Happy is prosperity. The joy of the Lord is my strength. That's prosperity. Amen. Well, prosperity... Our happiness comes when a superior bestows his favor. Well, how many of you would say today, honestly, that Jesus is superior? <laughs> uh, okay, we're all on the same page then. Well, he bestows his favor on us. Well, how much favor? Well, Ephesians says that it's unlimited the unlimited riches of his glory and favor. Isn't that right? Amen. So it's unlimited, and he wants to bestow that on us, and that is brings happiness, prosperity, and being blessed. Amen. Blessed is the man. So how many of you want the prosperity? How many of you want the favor poured out? Well, then, this is what it says Blessed is the man, the one that has prosperity poured out on him, favor poured out on him, prosperity poured out on him. This person is the one who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. The word trust means to attach oneself, to confide in, to feel safe, to be confident, secure, and carefree. Let me say that again. To trust means to attach oneself. Confide in, feel safe, be confident, secure, and carefree. Sometimes it's rendered as relies on. Blessed is the man who relies on the Lord. And the basic idea is firmness or solidity. Now, most Christians' idea of relying on the Lord is, oh, dear God, I got some trouble. I can't believe this is happening. Oh, Jesus, I need you to help me. I'm relying on you. No, that's not solid. That's not firm, and that's real shaky ground. This is a lifestyle. I rely on them my whole life, so when trouble comes, my life don't change. It's the same thing. You know, when the economy tanked in 2008, I saw many, many Christians bite the dust because they didn't have a lifestyle of faith. They had a lifestyle of prosperity because the world was prosperous at that time. The early 2000s, The world was prosperous, and the church was just in the flow of the prosperity of the world. And then when the world tanked, the Christians didn't know what to do. They thought they were in faith, but they were in the flow of the world. And you saw them all scatter, run, and try to do something, try to to make something happen. Because they didn't have a lifestyle of trusting in the Lord. And we're in the middle of another one right now. Where's your trust? Where's your trust? Well, I just trust God's going to take care of it. Why? Why? Why do you trust He's going to take care of it? What does the Word say about it? What's in your heart about it? I don't mean, you know, Wednesday night, Pastor Ned asked for prayer at the end of the service. And I walked over to her, put my hand on her. I could have spoken just, Scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture about healing. Right out of there. But what do we do? Put a hand on it and just wait and see what comes up on the inside. And that's what we declare. We get in such a rush, we get into 911 faith. By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. He said this word to heal me. Bless God. My soul continues to prosper. Therefore, I will be in health. You know, one of the benefits of being in the kingdom is that he heals all my infirmities. You know, 911. Why are you in such a rush? Well, you know, this has to be taken care of. You know, four days before Lazarus got raised, why are you in such a rush? Do you think God can't handle it? Well, you know, I've got to take care of it now because then, what then? What then? God can't take care of it then? That's why we get in a rush. Why? Because we're still in self-will. And if you have a lifestyle of yielding to Father's will, it'll be that way all the time. But that's something you grow in. This don't happen overnight. This isn't like, okay, from now on I'm going to be in Father's Forget that. One step at a time. Start growing it. First thing you do is ask the Holy Ghost to help you because you know you need help. I need help. We all need help. So stop saying, I'm going to. You're not going to. You can't until you yoke together with him. Okay, where are we? Of oh, firmness and solidity, trusting in the Lord. But then it says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. Whose trust is the Lord. So this kind of a trust, you can even use the word hope because this kind of a trust creates a hope that has a confident expectation. His trust is the Lord. Because my trust is not only in you, you are my trust. See, I, I made that connection some years ago that Jesus wasn't just my healer he's my health that if I walk in him I walk in his health he's my health he's not just my healer he's my health he's not just the one that meets my needs he is my prosperity he is my all in all he's my everything I come to God, I believe that He is. He is my health. He is my prosperity. He is my peace. He is. I don't just trust in Him. He is my trust. Amen? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. So this kind of a trust creates a hope with a confident expectation, not a constant anxiety. There's a lot of people, they say they're trusting in God, but they're so anxious. I I sure do hope that this is going to work. See, anxious, anxiety. Hope in God does not create a constant anxiety. It creates an expectation. It's going to be. It will be. He said so. I believe it. I'm living it. I make decisions based on it. I believe I'm healed, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, you want to go do such and such? Well, maybe next week when I feel better. (laughs) And then there's the lepers that they got healed as they went. A lot of people don't get healed because they won't go. They sit and wait. Why do they sit and wait? Because they don't believe that they will. Why well, I don't want somebody else to get what I got. What do you got? You got something now. Now you've got something. I thought you were healed. Make up your mind. No wonder you vacillate so much and it's hard to get anything from God. Double-minded. Well, I show that I care about other people. That's not humility. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, okay. Praise God. See, <laughs> uh, so you can't fool God. You know, the words coming out of your mouth and what's in your heart, they have to be in agreement. And you're not fooling God when they're not. You're not fooling the devil when they're not. There's only one person being fooled. Ourselves, we only fool ourselves. Well, oh, I'm believing, bless God, blah, blah, blah. You know, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is why it says prosperous, happy, receiving favor is the man who trusts, relies on, confides in, and abides in the Lord and. His trust is the Lord and has a hopeful expectation knowing that what God said is the way it's going to be. So therefore, this person will be like a tree planted by the streams of water. A tree planted. Hallelujah. This describes a righteous man who seeks God with all of his heart and turns away from evil like it talks about in Psalm 1. Cursed is the man. Who walks in the way of the wicked, stands in the place of the sinner, and sits in the seat of the scoffer. But blessed is the man whose delight is in the Lord. Isn't that right? Yeah. This person, this tree that's planted, will flourish and be fruitful because he's planted where? By the water. The abundant never-failing water of the Word. He's planted there. doesn't matter what's going on. He's planted in the Word. Whatever happens, the Word's coming up inside of them. Whatever's going on, the Word is being declared. Whatever's going on, the Word is the answer. Amen. The abundant, never-failing waters of the Word. Now, if Jesus is the root of our life, then certainly the roots are going to be in the water of the word. And that's the source of life, the source of a tree. You know, you could take a tree and the roots extend into the water. It doesn't matter what's going on. That's why it says here, it will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green. It won't be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. Amen. Why? Because the roots are in the tree. The roots aren't looking to the heat and looking to the drought for its life. It's looking to the water. The water is bringing life into that tree. And it's the waters of the Word that brings life into you. Now, it doesn't say here that because your roots are extended into the waters... That you will not fear and you will not be... Or you will not experience fear and you will not experience anxiety. That's not what it says. This will not stop the heat and the drought from coming. Amen. But in you, it can stop the fear and the anxiety of the drought and the heat. Amen. So again, it doesn't mean it won't show up. But if your, streams, if your roots are in the streams of water... You're going to stand up. You'll stand up against the fear and anxiety and stand up in the face of drought and heat. Isn't that right? Amen. So you will continue to bear, be blessed, prosper, and be happy. And remember, happy isn't joyful. You know, if some people think happy is joyful. I do a jig. I do a dance. You know, that's not happy. Happy is the joy of the Lord that is your strength. Isn't that right? Amen. Amen. It's a place of great refreshing in life. The struggle is over. If you're struggling over those things, okay, then that means you have to start flowing in the streams of water. Amen. Amen. The more you flow in the streams of water, it doesn't mean they won't show up, but the struggle of it will be done. And I don't mean the struggle will be done because you're just going to become apathetic, lackadaisical and ignore the thing. It means because manifestations of victory are going to take place. But it's a growth. It's a growth process. Amen. I go over to, back again to Matthew 11, verse 30. He said, "Come to me, learn of me." Take my yoke upon you. And he says here in verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The yoke, again, means to be coupled together. It was a bar or a frame that joins us together so that we can work together effectively. We ought to be co-workers with the Lord. But if you're a co-worker with the Lord, you can't be going in two different directions. You know, I used to work in the automotive business, and sometimes somebody would want to come and help you do your job, but... You're doing, you're, not, you're doing something I don't want you to do. You're going in a different direction of what I want you to do. You came to help me do what I want you to do. Amen. You know, people are like, you're not going to come to help you, but I know what you need. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You've come to help me, so do what I ask you to do. So uh, how many times that happens with the Lord? Oh, yeah, we're co-workers with the Lord, but we're going in one direction. He's going in another direction. And to be yoked together means to be coupled in servitude. You're coupled together in servitude. Jesus was the greatest server of all. And you cannot confuse server with servant. You are a server in the kingdom. You're nobody's servant. So because I might serve God, doesn't mean that I am his servant. To boss around. (laughs) You understand? We're only one, we we are only servant of one, and that's the Lord Jesus. We're his servant, we're his child, you know, we're a bunch of things in the kingdom. But with each other, we serve one another. Amen? Hallelujah. So the beam that connects us together, us and Jesus, remember, it's a beam of balance creates a balanced life, and it creates a sound life. And he says here of his yoke that it's easy. It's easy. Now, what does easy mean? Don't look it up in Webster's Dictionary because easy is not what you think is easy. Oh, it's easy, man. This is just a piece of cake. No, that's not what he's talking about here. The word easy means in the Greek to furnish what is needed. Take my yoke upon you because you'll have furnished for you everything you need. In being yoked together with me and doing things together, you will have everything that you need. See, that makes it easy when you have everything that you need. You know, I was an auto mechanic for a number of years, and the job itself wasn't always easy. But with the right tools and equipment, it made the job very serviceable. And that's what easy means, serviceable. Amen. We, we used to do, when we lived in our home in Port Charlotte, we did a lot of remodeling in the house. And, um, you know, I used to have to drag the table saw out of the garage and lay it on the, and had it on the ground and you're working on your knees and all that. But when we built the workshop and got it all fully equipped with the equipment that we needed, then it made remodeling the house very serviceable. You still had to work, but it was a lot easier. Because with the right equipment, it's useful. Are you with me? So that's what he means by easy. My yoke is easy. It's serviceable. It'll be a benefit to you and helpful to you. For my yoke is easy and my burden. What is a burden? Burden is something you carry. It's a load. It can be a responsibility. Keeping the word of God can be a burden. There can be burdens of decisions. There's burdens in life. Isn't that right? You know, but he said his burden is light. And the word light means easy to bear. You know, I've known people that say, oh, God's just put this burden on me. And they're they're just about beat down and run down and like, no, it's not God's burden. His burden is what? Light. Light. Easy to bear. It's relatively light in weight. Okay. So a great analogy of this is A bird. A bird has feathers. Eagles have big feathers, don't they? Well, the feathers on the bird, whether it's a sparrow or an eagle, the feathers on the bird are not to load them down. It's to help them in motion. To get out of the walking mode and get into the soaring mode. So therefore, it is serviceable, helpful, and useful. My burden is light. It's there to help you, help you in motion, to be serviceable to you. I'm not putting a burden on you to hurt you. I'm not putting a burden on you to make it overbearing to you. Remember the balance beam, right? The balance beam beam between us and Jesus. As much as our life becomes balanced, On this balance beam, the majority of the weight of this beam is on him, not on you. The majority of the weight is on him, and we're yoked together with him. So what does the weight of the beam mean? It means he does the impossible. He does the overbearing task. He does what you cannot do. We only have to do what he leads us in. Okay, here's your part. We're working together, so here's your part. Just do this. You can't say, I can't do that. Because there's nothing that he'd give you to do that you can't do. He's not going to tell you to go fly like an eagle. You can't do that. Huh? He's going to tell you to do what you can do. And that's what he leads you in. In other words, you get to do the possible, which leaves him to do the impossible. Amen. And it doesn't weigh us down. It only helps us motion through life with serviceability. So this becomes a very helpful thing. But why do we have problems when when we talk about burdens and things like this? Because we think about it in a worldly sense. And this is not in a worldly sense. This is a God sense. There's so many things that we try to explain and define through the Word of God based on worldly knowledge. And yet it's not right. Amen. So let's take these verses and let's just paraphrase them. Coming to Jesus, he gives us rest from our physical, soulish, and religious burdens in life. Become a learned disciple of Jesus, learning to walk in his ways and his word, and we will find that gentleness towards God and humility towards man creates a rest that will take up residence in our soul. Being yoked together with Jesus and co working with Him is easy as He takes on the heavy lifting and we can serviceably motion through this life. Amen. Amen. That's the way it's supposed to be. Hallelujah. See, this is about the lifestyle for the Christian. This is how the Christian is supposed to live. It is not about, oh, let me just run in, have somebody lay hands on me and make everything okay. That's okay if you're sucking on a bottle and you're on your dip- in your diapers. Now, that doesn't mean that if there's a ministry and God wants to minister and, and, and things like that, that doesn't mean that, uh, oh, I can't respond, I'm not a baby. No, that's not true, okay? We have to handle things in the right way because we have to accurately handle the Word of God. So what I'm saying is, it's not about, well, I'm just not going to go into that lifestyle stuff. I'm just going to go have hands laid on me and make everything okay. See, that would not be right. And at the same time is that the hands being laid on you has been given by the Lord Jesus. And if you need that, you need to get it. There's nothing wrong with it. Does that make sense to you? You have to understand both sides of that. Because the Word of God is all about the balance beam. Creating the lifestyle Jesus paid for us to live. Um, You know, when I first got saved, I wanted to step into that lifestyle. And I wasn't there. Because I had just gotten saved. And there was a lot of things that I needed. You know, I was a very needy baby Christian. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and I had no problem reaching out for those things because it's what I needed. And I knew I hadn't grown to that point yet. And if this is what I need, this is what I need. You know, it's like driving cars. You know, when, uh, when I drove my, uh, it was back in the early 70s or mid-70s, and I was driving a 67 Camaro, and Pastor Ned was driving a 68 Nova. And her car had a big hole in the floorboard. You know, my car's blowing smoke out the tailpipe. You know, And uh, but you know what? It got us around. And I never really was like, oh, I can't wait to get rid of these cars. I can't wait to get rid of these cars. Oh, I got to have, oh, look at that car on the road. I wish I had that car. Never, never. I was very happy not to be walking. (laughs) You know, because that would be the alternative. Either walk or take a bike. And I was glad to be driving. I had something to drive. So I never looked for something else. I knew where I was. This is what we got. This is what we use. Well, then after a few years, uh, I think a—and uh, I don't remember what he's a number of years old—but it was a Dodge Diplomat came available, and I told Vastinette, I said, "I'm going to buy this car for you and get rid of that Nova that's got the big hole in the floorboard." You know. So that was a step up, and I was very happy. You know, very happy. She had a, a diplomat, and uh, I don't. Like I said, I remember it was a used car, but it was a step up from the Nova. So I was very happy with that, and I still had my Camaro um, and was fine with it. I didn't particularly like the fact that if she was driving the Camaro, sometimes she gets stuck on the side of the road and being six months or eight months pregnant trying to push this car off the road. Yeah, you did. You did. Some, some, old, some old guy could barely move. You know, let me help you with that, honey. Let me help you with that. You know? <laughs> Nobody else would stop. So, you know, uh, but, you know, so then we would just, just move on as we needed to and never thought about, well, oh, I got to have this or I got to have that or I want to have that, a better this or a better that. I never thought like that. I was happy with what I had but always knew we were moving forward. And then uh, I got rid of my Camaro. I traded it in so my daughter could have a car to drive, a safe car to drive to Fort Myers to go to school. Oh, that was a hard day. And I don't remember what I drove after that. I, oh, that's when I got the, uh, my first new car, which was a Dodge Aries. What a piece of junk that was. <laughs> Brand new off the lot. I don't know how many times that car about killed me. So she had her Dodge Diplomat, and then we got the, the uh, Dodge Aries, and then uh, fine, that's the way it was. But then got to the point where he traded it in and got a, an Oldsmobile Calais. That was a nice little sporty little car, you know. And uh, so then we drove that, and I think uh, I don't know if it was after the diplomat or what. Oh, then we wound up with a red Malibu. No, not a Malibu. It was a red. It was a red Chevy. Chevelle, not a Chevelle. I don't remember one what one. it was. I don't know. It was a night. Nice, it was a sporty car, you know. So we got that, but it was just a step up. Step up. You know, never saying, you know, never driving down the road and going, look at that car. I wish I had that car. Never. Happy with what I had, but always knew we were moving forward. You know, and that's what it's all about. And that's what life's about as a Christian. You know, it's not about this or that or the other things. It's that this is me. This is where I'm at. I know where I'm at. And I'm just gradually just moving forward as I need to step by step. Isn't that right? And that's what the Christian life is all about. Steadily growing, steadily increasing in the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God. Amen. Creating a lifestyle that we can press into and that we can live a life of refreshing. Amen. And certainly, you know it, I know it, that there are troubles and trials in life. But as we stay connected with him and as Pastor Tim read that verse At 9.30 service, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, if we're abiding and we're staying in the house of faith and we're leaning on our source and root of life, then we can live on the path that drips with the fatness of refreshing. No matter what's going on, no matter what the physical or emotional stress is that we're dealing with, what's coming against us, we can live on that path that drips with the fatness of refreshing. Amen. The refreshing of the Lord, is more than enough as we learn from him and walk his ways, taking his yoke and his burdens of serviceability. And you find life become easier and easier and better and better and more and more refreshed. Isn't that right? Amen. You know, it's, it's one thing to handle situations when you're dealing or handling it under stress, but it's another thing to handle situations when you're under the refreshing. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, just bow your head before the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, I'm just asking you right now to make these things alive in each and every one of us. It doesn't have to be the whole thing, of course, but I know that there's a word in there for each person. And if you would make that word that's alive for that individual, whether in the room, live stream, or on podcast, if you would make that alive to them, that they'd be able to take hold of these things. Lord, that they'd meditate on it, ponder it, so that revelation can come to them, that they can get it working into their life. Lord, that they would step out of that place of stress and step into the refreshing that you've provided for each and every one of us. Now, Lord, I can't make this decision for everybody. But each of us have to make a decision of whether we're going to go down that road of being discipled, growing and learning from him. And as we do, and as we continue to go and continue to step forward and not to back up and not give up, that we will come to the eureka. We will find rest in my soul, in my emotions, in my thinking. Rest will cover me. I'll find it. And when I find it, I'll keep it, not let go of it, and not let go of the things that created the rest. Lord, I thank you that we don't do these things on our own, but we do it by the power of your word, by the power of your spirit, because we're joined together with you. So, Lord, whatever it is that I need to do to step further into this, show it to me, because I know it will be possible, and you will handle the impossible. I thank you for that, Lord. I bless you, and I praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Remember 6 o'clock tonight, service, praise the Lord, expecting good things. Come with your trust in the Lord, and with your trust is the Lord, with great expectations. Amen. Father, we bless you and honor you. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. For all that you are and all that you do, you bless us abundantly and your favor is poured out in great measure. And we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that we can attach to it by faith. That even the favor of harvest, the favor of reaping, Father, that you've poured that out. And we attach to it by faith. That we declare what your word says, that there's one that gives and yet increases all the more. So therefore I put action to what I believe. uh, As the one that gives, that I am the giver. And as I'm the giver, then I declare what you said, that I will increase all the more. I do what's possible. I do the giving. You do the impossible. You increase me all the more. Because I don't know how it happens. I don't know how it works. But that's because you're the one that does it. So we do it by faith. Our trust is in you. Our trust is you. And you have declared it, you have said it, we believe it, we set our heart to it, and we put motion into it in action. And we thank you for it, for the results of it, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thanks again for joining us on live stream, podcast. We're glad that you could be with us today. If you'd like to sow seed into the ministry, go to our website, newlifefamilyworship.net, and click on the giving link. Thank you in advance for any seed that you would sow into the ministry. If there's anything that we can stand in prayer with you about and believe God for your needs to be met, I thank you, Lord, that they will bring in their request. And they'll do it by faith. And that as we stand together, that your will will be done in their life. Lord, you said that even in the case of those that they'll be delivered by the cleanness of our hands. So don't think for a moment that you have to live a perfect life in order for God to meet your needs. But we can all join together. And yes, we want to grow in the things of God. But wherever you may be at right now, God can meet your need. If we just let us know, we'll join together in prayer with you. And by the cleanness of our hands, your needs can be met. If you would allow God to do that, it might seem impossible. It might seem like there's just no way that this can happen. But God is the God of the impossible. He makes all things well. And we do it by faith, and we know that our God is more than enough. So let us know, please, if there's anything at all that you need prayer for. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. There are